This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to That's So Fringy Podcast. We are here today with Justin from The Dig Bible Podcast. And yes, it's The Dig Bible Podcast. There are other uh, The Dig Podcasts or Dig Podcasts, so just make sure you're looking for the right one if you want to look these guys up, which we encourage you to do. Um, I'll also be placing the link to their show in the show notes, so you can uh, just go down there and click, and it'll take you right to it. So with that, uh, just a couple of announcements as always. We've got uh, the opportunity now in the bottom of the show notes to uh, send in a message, uh, a voice message, so you can just call in and and say what you want to say, leave any Uh, hints or clues as to uh, what you would like to see differently, maybe, or things that you are liking, things you're enjoying, questions you might have. Uh, We'd love to hear all of those things. And as I said last week, uh, you may even find yourself on a podcast episode. So that is that. As always, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and uh, check out all of the episodes that we've put out. Um, we've tried to do things in order so that you guys can, uh, you know, learn some things along the way in order so that they all make sense. So, um, if you are confused about things or you don't see something or you don't understand something, maybe go back and listen to some of those other episodes and you might uh, find the answers you're looking for. Additionally, um, we're going to have lots more episodes. We're going to have an episode coming up about the Flat Earth. Um, We've also got some other podcasts lined up. Um, It's going to be a good time. You guys hopefully are enjoying this. And uh, stay tuned, my friends. There's a lot more to come out here in this fringy universe. So with that, let's get into it. you guys welcome back to that's so fringy podcast i'm rick i'm Kristen, and we're here with justin brown uh he's from the dig podcast and uh they're doing great things you can get their podcast uh anywhere you listen to your podcast and we just wanted to have a quick conversation with him today about how his podcast is going how it's being received but also um justin has a lot of knowledge when it comes to the 
the biblical worldview um, that we've been talking about and trying to illustrate for you guys. And so today we're going to talk about the three rebellions in the Bible. Most of us uh, think of one rebellion when we think of the Bible, but uh, mm-hmm. there are actually three and they're all very significant. So before we jump into that, Justin, just uh, just tell us what got you started in podcasting? What made you decide to start a podcast? Honestly, it was back in like 2012, I discovered Trey Smith on YouTube and uh, already already had a good you know passion and love for the word. But when I was hearing the stuff he was talking about and how there was just so much more, I mean, I always had that, that seek, you know, seeking you shall find mentality. I knew that there was more there than what I was being taught. And I guess just uh, the Holy Spirit led me there in 2012 when I was actually ready for it. So once he, uh, I discovered his videos, I really just took a deep dive into to scripture and then watching all these videos on YouTube. And went long after that, I found Mike Heiser and it just totally lit a fire up underneath me, man. And it just sent me down this long journey and hundreds of books and hundreds of hours of study. And it was just awesome. All the, the doors that God was opening up and all the things that he was showing me. And I honestly just wanted to share that with other people because I knew what it done for me and my faith and connecting those dots and answering the whys, it brought me closer to God. You know, I grew up in church, you know, my whole life. I knew all these stories, but I'd heard them so many times. They were kind of mundane. They had no real significance. I was like, yeah, I know Jesus went to the cross. You know, yes, I know Goliath was a giant. David slew him with a stone. But once I actually started connecting the dots and seeing the whys, it, it really brought it to life for me. And it really, give me a whole new appreciation for my word. And I just wanted to share that with others. And I honestly started a small group and I invited like 15, 20 friends and four guys showed up Hmm. and three meetings later, my buddy, Steven, he was like, man, we should be recording this. Hmm. And I was like, recording it like for Facebook. He's like, no, a podcast. And at this point, I was—I didn't really know what a podcast was. I had actually just started, you know, listening to the Naked Bible podcast. Oh, sure. And I was like, no, uh, no, you know, I, I know they talk on a podcast, but that's about it, man. I don't know nothing about podcasting. No, we ain't doing that. And thank God he rode me like a borrowed mule. And eventually, <laughs> I was like, all right, let's do this. And his brother, luckily, he done podcasting, had some experience, so he kind of trained us and show us how to do this thing. And, you know, eight months later, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. It's, it's really growing. And, uh, uh, it's, it's just, you know, once God is involved, it seems like the growth just comes and, and you're not even, you know, you're, you're, you're barely thinking that this thing's going to do anything. And all of a sudden it takes off. And uh, it's pretty wild to see. And we're grateful to see other people out there doing this uh, work as well. So good on you, man. Yeah, it's like a, what is it, the field of dreams, you know, build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, we're just, uh, you know, three rednecks talking out of a, a garage in East Tennessee. And like I said, you know, we're eight months in and we've surpassed 10,000 downloads and 200 subscribers. And it's just like, we just doing this because we thought it was fun and maybe a few people will enjoy it, you know, so this, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you find that, you know, people aren't really that interested in the news anymore because everybody's starting to see through the lies and see through the, you know, it, it, all of the uh, facade is beginning to crumble around us, you know, and I think people are hungry for truth. 
You know, I'm hungry. If I'm for me anyway, going to church for a long time was just like torture, you know, because I, I loved God and I wanted to do my, my due diligence, but it was like torture because they weren't talking about anything of substance. It was like, we're just going to share the same stories over and over and over again. And there was no gravity to it. You know, I felt like the scripture, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be on milk, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you shouldn't be on milk anymore. You should be on meat. You should have, you should have come to a place in your faith where you're, you're taking in more than just the, the, the things that got you in the door. Obviously Jesus's uh, salvation uh, is important, but then there's a lot more to the story. And those are the things that we're trying to bring out. Uh, so, oh, which I was just going to say, I hate to sound, you know, all new agey, but you know, we are in the age of Aquarius, you know, and it says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, you know, and knowledge will increase, you know, the old men will have dreams and the young men will prophesy. I think we're seeing that. And there's such a craving for the supernatural mm-hmm. and spiritual things today. And the Bible is the number one source of those things. But the church has a very truncated view of the supernatural. You know, we believe in Jesus as far as the immaculate conception, you know, the miracles and the resurrection, but it's like the buck stops at Jesus. And it's like, no, there's so much more there. And that's why ancient aliens, ghost hunters, shows like that are doing so well today because the people are hungry for it. You know, the, the harvest is ripe, but the church is not ready to step up to the plate and talk about what's in our book. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So let's get into it, man. Let's talk about these uh, three rebellions. As I was saying before, we've got three rebellions. And uh, why don't you start us off with the first one, and I think the one that most of us are most familiar with. Yeah, see, with that, is too, is uh, this, if you know the three rebellions, it's a good way to combat, you know, the atheists you know, that want to say, you know, well, if there is a loving God, why is the world in the way that it's in right now? Well, it's because they don't know these supernatural things. This is a, these three rebellions in the story of the Bible, it's the greatest story that's ever been told, mm-hmm. but it's not being told. You know, look look at the Game of Thrones, you know, number one hit show, everybody loves it, right? Well, it's a show about an empire. Well, what happens? You have a king that unites the empires and the realms. Well, then you have his inner court, you know, deceiving one another, plotting and scheming to overthrow. Then chaos breaks out, war. Then uh, the prince is sent away. And then he has to come back and reclaim his throne. You know, that that's the story of the Bible. Yeah. You know, but, but we just don't see that. But, yeah, when you come to the first rebellion that's most familiar with everybody, you know, it's Adam and Eve and the serpent. Well... In the original language, that word is nakash. Well, the nakash, the Hebrew language is uh, very diverse, much like English. You can have one word and have multiple meanings. Well, it can mean serpent, but it can also mean the shining one or the one who practices divination. So one thing that should stand out to us when we read that, you know, this serpent comes up to Eve, starts talking to her, and suggests that she should eat from this tree. Well, number one thing we should notice, snakes don't talk. (laughs) Number two, how did she react to this snake talking? 
She wasn't afraid. She wasn't taken back by it. And then number three, she trusted this snake. She never questioned it. And you've talked about, I've heard you on your show talk about, you know, the divine council worldview and things like that. Well, Eden was on God's holy mountain. It was a garden, and God walked with Adam and Eve. Well, there was other supernatural entities that was there with them. You know, in Job it talked about at creation that the, the morning stars sang for joy at the sight of creation. You know, these heavenly created beings, these, you know, lowercase g gods, Elohim, were basically our elder brothers. You know, our, our elder brothers are supposed to be our keepers and look out for us. But what happened was is this Nakash seen the love and the favor that he had for the younger brother, which is a common theme we see throughout the Bible. Yep. And jealousy set in, and he deceived us. You know, so like, and one thing we can see that is an example like in Ezekiel 28. You know, there's two parts to that. One, in Ezekiel 28, he's talking to the king of Tyre. Well, then when you read the second part of that, he's saying, you know, you were perfect in the days that you were created. You know, every precious stone was your covering. You were in the garden of God. You know, and, and all these, you know, descriptive things that says, you know, you were a guardian cherub. Mm-hmm. So it's a two-part, like, prophecy or proclamation. He's not only speaking to the king. He's speaking to the spirit, the nakash mm-hmm. behind this ruler. Yes. So... And that goes back into the whole, you know, Deuteronomy 32 and also with the on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was the first rebellion everybody's familiar with. But I just wanted to add that little caveat about the Nakash because that's something that's overlooked a lot. But, yeah, it's pretty important to know the, yeah. the original language and the original context. And we've been trying to hammer that point home in our podcast. And I know Dr. Michael Heiser and many others are, are you know, uh, doing the same. They want people to realize that we're not reading this the way that, you know, our modern society is reading it. We're reading it from their perspective. And that's when these um, diamonds in the rough begin to start showing themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then the second one is, you know, one of my favorites and everybody loves, you know, the, the fallen angels and the giants, you know, so you got Genesis sixes with the fallen angels course you got the you know the book of Enoch you know it says that they landed on Mount Hermon and when they land you know they it talks about all these different uh, forbidden knowledge that they teach these people so they took you know wives for themselves uh, created Nephilim giants taught them all this forbidden knowledge and you see this echoed throughout history through all the different cultures same story just different Mm -hmm. versions and spins you know with, with the Greeks you have Prometheus Prometheus stole the fire, which is symbolic for the knowledge, and gave it to humanity. Well, what happened? Zeus takes him and uh, sends him down to Tartarus. You know, with the Mesopotamians, you have uh, the seven Opkalu sages, and they're actually even depicted as fish swimming through the flood and giving the knowledge to mankind. And what happens? The god El gets enraged, sends him to the underworld. So, I mean, you... You have this over and over and over again throughout just you know, many cultures. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a coincidence theorist. You know, <laughs> when you see all these things add up like that, it's it probably happened. Yeah. But but what's crazy is uh, when you uh, – I want to explain what they call uh, 
contract law and stuff like that and with Adam's dominion. And, and this is the, the whys that I talk about. We recently had uh, David Paxton on our show, and he talked about you know contract law and seeing it through that lens through your Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're making a contract, you know there's certain rules that have to apply. So one, you know there cannot be any false pretenses, mm-hmm. and then number two, it has to be with like kinds. So Satan couldn't take away our dominion that was given to us at, at creation. So Satan, being a, the ultimate, you know, legalist, seen a loophole. He's like, well, if I can get these angels to rebel, have half human, half angelic beings, then boom, there's my loophole. I can take dominion of Earth because they have human DNA. Mm-hmm. But once again, it was under false pretenses because what does he tell us in the garden? You know, at first he says, uh, eat from this apple and ye will be as gods. There was a lie. There was a false pretense. So it's already null and void. But then two, he tries to pretend and show that he is a like kind, which he is not. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole reason why the flood had to come. You know, and that's another thing atheists want to say, you know, well, how can a loving God destroy all humanity and women and children? Well, it was to take back dominion which these fallen angels and the devil tried to take from us and also to protect that bloodline for the coming Messiah. You know, yep. so, I mean, there's there's reasons to these things, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we just know the answers and how to combat these these lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's, it's simple to see it once you explain it in that context. You know, you have these natural laws that, that we all have to follow. These are the the laws that are written on our heart, the Bible says. And when we we follow those laws, we we prosper. Everything's fine. But then when we get out of uh, following those laws that are written on our heart, we end up in rebellion. And that's where Satan found himself is is going after his own desires instead of relying on the law that has been written on his heart. And so he crosses over out of his out of his domain and, and causes all kinds of ruckus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, and I believe honestly that it was Satan that enticed these fallen angels. Cause when you get into first Enoch, it's uh, chapter 54, verse four and verse six, it says plainly that these fallen angels became subject to Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's important when, when we look at the kingdom of heaven, we have to look at it, like I said before, you know, the greatest story ever told and compared it to Game of Thrones. Every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has uh, princes. It has soldiers. It has captains of armies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all these things. And also it has subjects. And it says plainly in Scripture that Satan has a kingdom too. Because mm-hmm. when they accuse Jesus of ca- casting out these demons, you know, in the, in the name of, you know, Beelzebub, you know, he says... You know, uh, a nation divided amongst itself will not stand. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's telling us that kingdom, you know, that Satan has his own kingdom also. So it, it's a, a supernatural battle for dominion of this earth and for the souls of the people in it going on all around us every single day. Yes. Yeah. 
and and you know transform transforming that into a today mindset is very important this this hasn't stopped happening as you just said this is a continued battle that we're going through right now and that's why we felt it was so important to start this podcast is because if you don't understand what happened back then then you're not going to understand what's happening right now but but once you do understand then it begins to unlock all of the truths that you're seeing right in front of you every day yeah and uh the scripture I got here too, you know, even Satan lays out his game plan, you know, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high and I will sit on the Mount of Assembly. And he goes on later to say, I will make myself like the most high. So, I mean, it, it's the, the battle of the, the two kingdoms and he's trying to, to take dominion away from God. But, you know, that leads us to the, the third rebellion. Well, this is honestly my favorite one, and this is the one I get the most passionate about because I was always told about the Tower of Babel in Sunday school. You know, they, they built this tall tower trying to get into heaven. You know, God divided the tongues and, the, and the, the peoples, and they spread, you know. And I was, like, always thinking, well, if that's the case, I mean, we got tall buildings today. And God doesn't intervene. There has to be something more. Mm -hmm. And that's all you get. You get this little blurb, just, you know, a paragraph, you know, in Genesis about the Tower of Babel. But once you get to digging and you get to look, you know, I, I discovered Deuteronomy 32. Mm -hmm. And that totally opened my mind and changed my paradigm. And it gave me a, a, a spiritual lens to, to see the world that we're in today. And it answered so many questions why there's so much corruption, why there's abortion, why there's child abuse, why there's murder, just all these things. Because I mean, even as a Christian, I was like, you know, God, you're a loving God. You know, that's what our scripture tells us. But if you love us, why do you allow all these things to happen? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to contracts. God made a contract with his elder sons. And even though they are negating on that and ruling unjustly, he, he is a God of his word. But rest assured, he's got a plan. Yeah. We, we just have to read and know that plan and trust in that plan. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'll never forget it. When I was reading Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8, you know, it said that... Uh, that the nations were divided, you know, but it says not only were the tongues divided, that the nations were divided amongst the sons of God. Mm -hmm. There's that sons of God again, the same one we see in Genesis 6, Benaha Elohim. And every single time that that phrase is used, it's talking about supernatural entities. Mm -hmm. And just before all that happens in Genesis 10, you know, I know genealogies and stuff like that and numbers can be boring. I get it. <laughs> but it's important. Yeah. When you read it, there's 70 nations mentioned. Now, does that mean literally that there was 70, only 70 nations? No. There's symbology and numerology in your Bible. Mm -hmm. Anytime you see 70, it's symbolic for all. 
It means it's a totality number. You know, Gideon and his 70 sons. No, he didn't literally have 70 sons. He was saying all of his sons, mm -hmm. the 70 nations, all the nations. You know, so when you see that, it's important to, to, to know that. But when you see that, it just, it explains everything so well. Okay, and that's why when you get into Psalms 82, it says, you know, you've ruled unjustly, you know, and that uh, how long will you show per partiality to the wicked? You know, and it goes on to say, you know, you are gods. Mm -hmm. You desire to live the eternal life. And, I, and I, you get so many pastors nowadays and say, oh, well, they're talking about, you know, kings and, and rulers of the earth. It says plainly, you are gods, sons yeah. of the most high. Yeah. And then it goes on to say that you will be judged and you will fall like any prince. Well, duh. If you're a human, yeah, you know you're going to die. Yeah. You know, he's talking to supernatural entities there. And they're ruling unjustly, and that's why we see all the things that we see today. You know, but but God, like I said, God had a plan. Because mm -hmm. later, after he divides the people, you know, but it says in there plainly that when he divided them, that Jacob was his allotted heritage, uh, inheritance, I'm sorry, you know, and then later, he calls out Abraham. And what does he say when he calls out Abraham? He says, through your name, all, not some, all nations shall be blessed. Mm -hmm. God had a plan. You know, the Messiah was coming, and it was the plan the entire time since the foundations of the world. That's why uh, the flood happened, protect the bloodline. Yep. That's why when the Tower of Babel happened, he, he, he made sure Israel, Jacob, was his allotted inheritance, and he called out Abraham. Mm -hmm. You know, so all that stuff is just so important. But when we fast forward uh, to the time of Jesus, Matthew 16 and verse 13, you know, they were at Caesarea Philippi. You know, when he asked Peter, you know, who do, who do you say that I am? You know, he goes on to say, you know, on this rock I will build my church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, he was talking about Pan's cave. Mm -hmm. You know, this was the grotto of Pan, which which is a huge cave that were people and animals and stuff like that were sacrificed, and it was known to be the gates of hell or even, you know, the, the mouth to the underworld. Uh, Matthew 17 says uh, that from there they traveled six days to a high mountain. And I always overlook this, but when you look at a map, Caesarea Philippi, there's only one mountain range inside. And guess what mountain that is? Which one? Mount Hermon. <laughs> <That's so crazy. laughs> and it's easily accessible by six days journey. Hmm. So imagine Jesus, he ain't just taking some Sunday drive and says, hey guys, let's just go for a ride. No, he had to walk a long way to get there. Yeah. And the message, once I connected these dots and these whys were clear, you know, that's where he transfigured, okay? So if you look at it on the map, you know, this is the only mountain in sight. They could easily get there for six days. He goes there. He transfigures. You know, Jesus goes to ground zero where it all began. Yeah. He threw down his spiritual battle flag. And you remember that I mentioned earlier that the mountain uh, – 
at that mountain, the Canaanites worshipped a god called El. And El had 70 sons. And that's where his divine counsel met and ruled the world. Okay? So this is another retelling of the divine counsel and the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. So Jesus goes there. He transfigures. And what happens after this? It says in there that he sent out his 70 apostles to reclaim the nations and to spread the good news. You know, he's basically telling them, you know, all right, I'll put my 70 against your 70. Hmm. And I love how Derek Gilbert said, you know, Jesus is just basically looking at him and waving his hands and saying, come get some. <laughs> yeah, I got your number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, it's just so profound when you connect the dots and you know the whys and stuff like that. But later when Jesus dies on the cross in 1 Peter 3, 19, he says he goes down to these fallen angels and proclaims victory. In three days, I'm busting out of here, and you guys are going to watch me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hide and watch. You know. Then later the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. You know, To the Jewish people, this was Shavuot. This is where they celebrated their covenant with God and the giving of the law to Moses. God chose this day for the Holy Spirit to come down for a reason. He was signaling to his people that a new covenant was coming. You know, what happened when the Holy Spirit come down? You know, it says, some changes, says they all spoke the same language or everyone understood each other in their own tongues, right? Yep. This was a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Yep, and, and we just miss it, right? We just skim right yeah. over it and we're just like, oh, they spoke a whole bunch of tongues right. and... But the the reality is, is these are Jewish people from all different countries coming together and they are going to be his nations spreading this message out. But how do you get that message out to all these people that speak a different tongue? Well, you might want to send your Holy Spirit and give them all the ability to speak to them. And so that's what Peter did. And and we see this number of 5,000 people coming to faith that day. And we think, wow, that's because Peter's really eloquent. No, that's because he was talking in each of their languages. And he was saying exactly what Jesus had told them to say. And it it just exploded. And that's exactly what Jesus knew would happen. And I'm sure these guys were shocked. Like, holy cow, what just, could you imagine speaking just out your mouth and everybody can understand you, it, that would be wild. Well, look at the onlookers. You know, they, they were saying, oh, they're drunk on new wine. You know, that they were spiritually mm-hmm. blind to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't see what was happening. And and that I feel like that's kind of how we are in the church. You know, if you don't understand this thread that is all through the Bible, then then you're missing the full story, the full gospel. And, you know, we, we talk about the gospel like it's, you know, it's just Jesus coming and talking to 12 guys, and then that just blew up because of influence. No, this this was a taking back of the nations, and that's why there was this huge influx of Gentiles coming in. That's why the first person that Jesus revealed his um, 
his ministry to was the woman at the well, well who was a, a Samaritan. She So the first person that he said, hey, I am the guy that everybody's been waiting for, the first person was a Samaritan Gentile. And that's a huge fact that people need to realize is that when Jesus came back, his goal, his mission was to bring back all of the nations mm -hmm. into his kingdom, which is what he talked about, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I always thought growing up in the church that like Jesus, he died on the cross for our sins. That's what he did. But you don't realize until you hear somebody like you put it together, there was so much more that happened than he just dying for our sins. Like the, the, the picture that goes all the way through the book is so much different. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, well, we're not Jewish and we don't know the, the ins and outs of the culture and things like that. There's so many things that we miss and it's not that it's some kind of big secret that they tried to hide from us. No, it's just written so long ago. They didn't have to go into great detail about some of these things because everybody knew it. I mean, it was written to the people of that time. So it's, it's on us to do our due diligence to to know the customs and the, the, the feasts and the holy days and the lingo and, and things like that to get the full context of mm -hmm. scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh, I think it's Tim Mackey that, that said um, from Bible project, he said that it's, it's like going to a different culture that speaks a different language. And as soon as you get off the plane, you walk up to somebody and you say, my lips hurt real bad it, as a joke. Well, everybody in our context in America would know that's from Napoleon dynamite. And it's kind of like an inside American joke, but those people would be like, what is this guy talking about? Do we need to get him some chapstick? And so that's what we do as, <laughs> as Christians is we we're running around trying to get people chapstick. And what, what the real message is, is that there was three rebellions and it's those three rebellions that caused everything that's going on around you. And once you can see that Jesus came back and put a stop to all of that and wants all of us to come into his kingdom, the kingdom of light, kingdom of goodness, then, then that's, that's what we, now he's just waiting for us to make that decision. And I think what people don't realize is this would go a lot faster if we would all make our decisions a lot faster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no I agree. And, and see that, and that's what Jesus was even trying to tell with, with a lot of his parables that a lot of people miss, you know, in Mark 12, you know, the parable of the good tenant. Mm. He's talking about the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Yep. I mean, look at the context of that story. There was a, a gardener that had a garden. So God had earth. Mm -hmm. And what's he do? He uh, lends out the garden for some farmers to, uh, to grow some crops on it and, and to make a harvest. But the farmers agreed when the harvest came that the owner would, would get a, a tithe from it. And what happens in that story? The farmers take the land. They, they sow the seed, and when the harvest comes, uh, the owner sends a messenger to collect his tithe, and they beat him up and send him away. So then he sends another messenger. They beat him up, send him away. So then the third time he says, well, I'll send my son. They won't harm my son. Yeah. Then he shows up, and the farmers plot to kill the son to show the owner they mean business. 
I mean, that's Jesus, that's God, that's earth, mm-hmm. that's the, the fallen angels that was given dominion at Deuteronomy 32. Yep. But little did they know, they sealed their own fate when they done that. I mean, because even Paul says, if the rulers, the principalities, and authorities would have known, they would have not killed the Lord of glory. Yeah. This is the great mystery that Paul talks about that was this plan from the beginning uh, to to redeem all the nations. This is that great mystery that he's talking about. And I feel like it's still a mystery to a lot of people. And I think these, you know, when you hear of the scales falling off of his eyes, I think this is what they were talking about was he's making all of these connections and he finally realizes Oh my gosh, what have we done? And he and and then when he's preaching, or when Peter's preaching, or every or Stephen's preaching, they're always saying, and his son, you crucified. He keeps <laughs> they they keep just pushing it back mm-hmm. at him and saying, You did this, and he came to save us, and you killed him. And uh that you know, that boldness that they had because they realized we're in the kingdom now. We're in the new covenant now, and there's nothing that you can do to us. There's no fear that we need to be walking in anymore because our king has us, and he is in control now. He's taking the keys of sin and death, and he's bringing all of the nations back. And all we have to do is accept that he's done that and 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 then follow him as a king. Re- repent, as he says, one of the first things he says, repent and follow after him. Follow those those laws on our heart that we were talking about before. So it's crazy. And we'll see, we just recently, uh, it'll be out here in the next couple of weeks. So here's a, a spoiler, I guess, if it comes out before ours, uh, we're doing an Acts Bible study. And we actually got to that verse where it was talking about the scales falling from Paul's eyes or Saul at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go back to the original language, uh, in Genesis, where it says, uh, you know, the, the devil or the serpent was more crafty. Well, that word in Hebrew was a room. Well, like I said earlier, you know, Hebrew is a very diverse language. One word has many meanings. Well, later, that very same word is used to describe what happens to Eve when she bites into the apple. It says, you know, she bit into the apple and her eyes were a room. So you got to think back then, you know, the literacy rate was not that high. Mm-hmm. These scriptures were considered holy and the priests were the only ones that could read them in the synagogue. So to hear any scripture, you had to show up at the synagogue and it was read to you. Mm-hmm. So when you heard these words mentioned together, you know, so close together, it was word association. So what the writer was trying to show was when the, the bite of the apple or whatever the fruit was, was taken, that they took on a property of the Nakash. And when you get to that verse with Paul, it says plainly, it makes it, it makes a point to say that his eyes were open. His eyes were a room. And then why did they use the verbiage that they did? Scales. I mean, there's nothing scaly about an eye. Sure. But serpents have scales. So it's like what it was saying was is the veil that was uh, given to us at birth or when we bit into the apple as a result, it was like a veil that Satan spiritually blinded us with. And it said the scales fell from his eyes. 
you know, he, he could truly see the, the, the blinders that the Satan has, has put on this world and humanity had fallen off. So that's good. That's really good. And it's, you know, it's interesting because he also, um, there's those, um, some of his disciples are, are walking on the road to Emmaus and they're, they're talking about, you know, what just happened and can you believe it? Jesus died and blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus is just walking there with them. And he's asking them like, he doesn't know, like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and, uh, they walk with them and they talk with them and they're not getting it, but he's, he's, opening their eyes as they're walking. And when they have dinner together, he's speaking to them and he's opening their eyes. It's this kind of same understanding of, of pulling away the veil. And as he pulls away the veil, they finally get it. And it says, as soon as they get it, he's gone. He just disappears. And it's, yeah. it's, it's such a cool story because that's, that's what Jesus is trying to do through his Holy Spirit all the time. He's trying to lead us down this path to Emmaus and showing us these, these different things along the way. And then once we get there, we finally realize, oh, all of this stuff that has been right in front of me this whole time is this. This is what they were talking about. And the scales fall off of all of our eyes. And I think that there's a great awakening happening right now. You hear a lot of people talking yes. about the great awakening. People are waking up to what they've been. And I think the scales are still on a lot of our eyes um, as we're walking around and we're looking, we're going through the grocery store and we're going to Starbucks and we're doing all the things that we do in our lives, walking around with scales on our eyes. And it's time for us to lean in and listen to Jesus, listen to his word and say, okay, I'm going to allow these scales to come off of my eyes and I'm going to repent and follow after you. And I think we're going to see a lot more people coming to Jesus very quickly, very soon. Oh, amen. I agree. And, uh, I guess to tie this all together, uh, now this is, uh, honestly was a mind blow moment that I had on our show with, uh, pastor Doug Van Dorn. And this ties all the, the three rebellions together and to show, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was God's plan from the foundations of the world. And it's crazy. When, when I heard this, I just kind of, I sat dumbfounded <laughs> and speechless for a good 60 seconds. And luckily, Stephen, he, he just took over the show at that point because I was just like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, all these little sparks was going off in my head, but I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm sure you are, but familiar with the, you know, the Christophanies, hmm. you know, of, of the old Testament, you know, we had Doug on and he talked about his book, the angel of the Lord and which I was familiar with the Christophanies too, but the way he tied them all together and he hit me with one that I'd never noticed before. And it was right in front of my face, but you know, the Christophanies for the people that, that don't know, just a Reader's Digest version, is Jesus Christ shows up again and again and again in your Old Testament. But he shows up as the angel of the Lord or the word. You know, the word appears to Samuel, but it says the word appeared in a vision, you know, and spoke and even touched him. You know, words doesn't come to eyes. They come to ears. You know, this was a physical manifestation you know, he's even described as, you know, the glory, you know, the burning bush. You've seen, you know, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit all together there. 
and when you get the the whole theology of the Jewish people, you know they believed in what they called a, a the two powers of heaven, or or the two Yahweh's. You know, and some examples here I got written down was uh, Genesis nineteen and verse twenty four. Then Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from Yahweh out of heaven. So, you know, there's showing you the, the whole, you know, theology of the two Yahwehs. Mm -hmm. And then Psalms 110, David says, in quotations, the Lord says to my Lord. Mm. Okay? So, when you go to Jude, Jude 5, and this is ESV, it says that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, who later destroyed those who did not believe. The other translations don't say Jesus, but what they're talking about there is the angel of the Lord. Yep. You know, the two powers. So, you know, remember God told Moses, you know, he couldn't go with his people, that he would destroy them for their wickedness. But he said that he would send his angel instead. And he commanded them to listen to him, for his name was in him. It was Jesus. He went before the people and even did battle against the giant clans of Canaan. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why the demons, known as legion in Mark chapter 5 and in Luke chapter 8, pleaded with Jesus, do not destroy them. And have you come to torture us before our time? They knew who he was because they did battle with him. According to the book of Enoch, these demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim giants. They knew who he was. Mm -hmm. He was the angel of the Lord that led Israel and just whooped their butt. <laughs> they didn't yeah, want no more. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that that uh, Jesus is a warrior king. He's He's not, I mean, when he came to the world and did all the things that he did in, in human form, he was... He was very kind. He was very loving. He was trying to teach us how to be with each other. But when it comes to his people raging against these evil demonic uh, entities and the watchers and all of those uh, nefarious beings, he's a warrior. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament. His, his warrior-like um, sensibilities come out. And then you see that again in the book of Revelation, his warrior sensibilities come out again. And we, you know, we see Jesus as like the Ned Flanders uh, of Christianity where he's just <laughs> a like, great life coach. Yeah. He's like, Hey guys, what's going on? You want to, you want to go break some bread, you know, but he, he had a mission to do when he was here and he fulfilled that mission, but then his mission doesn't end. He's an immortal being and he's going to continue to fight for us as our warrior King. Yes. Amen. And, so with that in mind, let's take a, another look at Deuteronomy 32, okay? Now you remember, we must see the kingdom of God like a kingdom with kings and princes and sons and lords and captains of armies and soldiers and, and all that. So when he divided the peoples amongst the sons of God, he referred to it as their inheritance, mm. right? Yep. But Jacob, Israel, it said, was his allotted inheritance okay now remember the two powers the two yahweh's 
Whose inheritance is he talking about here? Who gets these inheritance? Sons do, right? Yep. So who's the one and only begotten son? That's Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Who led his people through the wilderness? The angel of the Lord, Jesus, right? So, you know, like a good infomercial. But wait, <laughs> as an added bonus, if you call now, There's we more. will throw in Daniel 10, absolutely <laughs> free of charge. Okay? Daniel 10, what happens there? He's praying for discernment and uh, for God to reveal to him what his dreams mean. 21 days pass by, and he gets no response, but he keeps praying. Well, eventually, an angel does show up and says, you know, hey, I've been trying to get to you. The prince of Persia withheld me for 21 days. It wasn't until the archangel Michael showed up and freed me, which is your prince, yes, that I was able to get free. He tells him the vision, and then he says, I must go back for the prince of Greece is on his way, and I must return to battle. So that shows you the whole Deuteronomy 32 worldview and that the, the battles that's going on right now amongst us and around us all the time that we just can't see. But the key point of that whole phrase was, Michael, your prince. Who's the your? That's Israel. That's Jacob. Well, it said in Deuteronomy 32, Israel and Jacob was his allotted portion. So to me, it points and pretty much says that Michael is Jesus. It's the divine warrior aspect of Jesus Christ. And what's crazy, okay, so we've already established Jesus and the whole uh, Christophany, angel of the Lord. In Revelations, it says that we'll be given new names. So I'm sure Jesus was not called Jesus in heaven. Right. You know, what does the name Michael mean in Hebrew? It means, who is like Yahweh? Hmm. You know, hmm. this has always been presented as a question, but I believe it's a statement. He's the second power. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, we get really caught up on Jesus' name because, you know, all things happen in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But his name wasn't Jesus before, he, you know, it was told that he had to be called Jesus by the angel to to uh, Mary. And so his name will be called Jesus was what he was going to be known as here in our realm in that time of history. But that, uh, I would agree with you. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's his name for all time. And it was, because he's a, as we keep alluding to, he's, he's an internal, or uh, I'm sorry, an eternal being. And his name has probably been many names throughout yes. history i mean he's he, even melchizedek yep exactly you know, when you look at hebrews where it describes melchizedek it says that you know he was without beginning or end without father or mother he is a priest eternal yep. and he was uh and hebrews when it talked about him it, it aligned him uh hand in hand with jesus yep. and think about it when uh abraham defeated those uh warrior kings and got back lot he comes back meets this guy acts like he knows him and he's his best friend Gives him a tenth of all the spoils of war. That's what you give the priest, right? Yep. And he says that he was the first 
king and priest yes. of Salem, the prince, the first king and priest of, of peace. Yep. I, I firmly believe that was another Christophany. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And, and once you start to make these connections, you begin to realize that Jesus yeah. has been there this whole time. He's Amen. Been, I mean, that's why you were sitting there for a long time, just staring at the wall, trying to figure out what was going on. Because these yeah, there's so many things that are just like swirling up here, and I'm like, wait. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, Michael, who's like Yahweh? I'm like, okay, that's a statement. That's not a question. Yeah, but it makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just his divine warrior aspect, and that's who he was going through the wilderness, kicking all these giants' rear ends. Yep. You know, in Revelations, when he returns, it says he's going to be on a horse with a flaming sword of truth and that the blood of the enemy is going to be up to the bridle. Yep. Yep. And people get, you know, all bent out of shape because they, they can't see Jesus like that, you know, because as we talked about before, he's nice and he's washing his disciples' feet and everything like that. But but his authority now, because that was Jesus on earth. But all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to you is what God says. And so that means now his responsibility isn't just for Israel. He's been upgraded. He's been upgraded to the entire world. Now he's in charge of earth. And it is his responsibility alone to take care of what's going on. So there is going to be a battle. Because these um, entities that have been in charge forever, uh, they're not they're not going to go lightly, and that's what we're seeing. No, they today. haven't. I mean, that's I mean, it, it says plainly that all you know authority's been given unto him, and a lot of people want to use that out of context and be like, "Well, he's a real crappy ruler." Because look at the world today. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, authority has been given unto him, but he give us our directions. He give us our battle plans. Yep. Now, it's up to us to form the militias and gather the ammo and do what we need to do. But that doesn't mean that the enemy is just going to be like, okay, yeah, we're destined to lose, so we might as well just lay down now. You know, they might have the keys taken away from them, but they ain't going nowhere. They think they're going to win. You know, just look at the devil's advocate with Al Pacino. Mm. He said, we're destined to lose, Dad. He said, consider the source, son. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) They're telling you this, right? They're telling you that they know. They already know. And going back to the to the legion of, of demons, they they said that that time hasn't come yet. I believe they say that time hasn't yeah. come yet. So they know that they're done and they know that there's a time. And he's saying it doesn't matter if that time's come or not. I'm telling you to get out now. And uh, it's it's very telling when you begin to read your Bible from from this perspective that we're trying to paint for everybody is we're not, these aren't heresies. These are original truths that have been watered down uh, to the detriment of, to all of us. I mean, this isn't a Christian versus Catholics versus Jews versus this is, this is Jesus is the King. And we all need to get on board with that because it's truth. And I, we're not trying to cause division. We're trying to cause unity to come. Our our whole nation, our whole world needs to come together in unity and realize that we are being ruled by a loving, gentle king who wants us to be good to each other. And he wants to take care of us the way that he has been taking care of us all throughout history, as you just very well pointed out. So, man, thanks for... 
laying all that out for us. It's, it's, uh, so powerful when you begin to see it, you know? Oh yeah. Especially like, you know, I mean, I know not everybody's like me, but I'm a big nerd. The, the, the whys and the, the dots are, are all important. So yeah, I might know this mundane fact that's been beating in my head my entire life. But when you lay out all these little details and lead me there and show me all these little things, man, it just, it makes my appreciation for God grow that much more. And, and if I'm like that, I'm sure there's some other people out there like that mm-hmm. too. So I, I, I want to share that, that knowledge and that, uh, that feeling that it gives me. Yeah. Well, I think it's crazy because a lot of people think, I mean, growing up, I thought, it, you know, there was just God and angels and they're just floating around up there and like having a good old time. And people don't realize how structured everything is, Every, you know, all these contracts that are happening throughout the Bible. I never, ever saw it that way until maybe five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, the you know the things that are happening in heaven are the things that are happening on earth, mm-hmm. and there, if you read the Bible, you be, you begin to see that there's these echoes between things that happen in heaven and things that are happening on earth. Just like you were saying about the Prince of Persia and and the battling going on, this is this is an ongoing thing. Whatever, as as he says in his prayer, on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason he's saying that is because it is connected. Everything that's going on up there is going on down here and vice versa. You can't separate heaven and earth. They are interconnected and God designed it that way. Oh yeah. And even creation. I mean, a lot of people miss that, man. It's like in creation, he's creating his temple. When you look at Solomon's temple, when it was being made, it was six stages. He finished it in six years. But what did he do? He waited 11 months before he opened it. That way it took exactly seven years because it was echoing creation. The tabernacle was in seven stages. Uh, And then on on both of those accounts, on the seventh day, the presence of God rested in the temple on the tabernacle, just as in creation where, you know, it says that on the seventh day, God rested, you know, it ain't saying that God put up his feet and turned on the football game. No, his spirit indwelled and rested on earth and earth is God's temple. What is every temple? God, every temple has got priests. Who's the priest? Exodus says that uh, Israel would be a nation of priests. Every temple has an image, a graven image. Who's the graven image? It says in Genesis one, we are the imagers of God. That's why he says don't make no no uh, graven image because we are the imagers of God. Yes. You know? And Eden was the place where heaven and earth met. It was supposed to be in harmony. We were supposed to be in harmony with each other, with our elder brothers uh, as the, the lords and representatives of the heavenly realm looking after us. And we were the ones on earth that were the lords and supposed to be representing him here on earth. And Eden was the middle ground where heaven and earth met and we convened and walked with God. Yes. But the rebellions got in the way of that. Yep. Yeah. This motif of, of, uh, you know, God coming in and creating order out of chaos. That's what, uh, you know, we get from the creation story was there was chaos and then God brought order to it. God's a God of order. And then later on, the rebellions come in and you see everything go into disorder, back into chaos. And this is Satan's agenda, is bringing chaos, bringing disorder. And God is trying to bring everything back into order all the time. And 
he's relying on us humans to 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 do that work as you said before it is on us to accept this gift that's been given to us this this chance of redemption and to walk in that and to and to image him on this earth again as as he says in his words so Man, we don't want to take up all your time. We really appreciate you coming on and and uh, getting real with us and explaining these things to us because you know we've listened to you explain some things and you just have a really good way of doing it. And uh, so we're hoping that our audience really connects with you, and we're also hoping that they come over to your podcast and listen to what you've got to say mm-hmm. because there's so many distractions out there in the world. Uh, we can we can you know turn off our TV shows and our radios and our music and all of the things that are distracting us from what's real and what's good. And we can take the time to listen to things that lift us up, things mm-hmm. that bring us to the level of, of uh, knowing God for who he really is and following after him. So, well, and that's what I love about this podcast community is you have a different way than I've ever heard of laying all that out. And then maybe Rick has a different way later that speaks to somebody else. Like you, you don't know, whose voice is going to come through louder. So the more that you can listen to these guys and the, the, and listen to the structure of how he lays it out, it's like, it's going to speak to people that we maybe wouldn't, you know, and vice versa. That's just, I think that's how it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Not everybody's a foot in the body of Christ. We got hands, fingers, and toes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. Right. Well, Justin, thank you again for coming on. His podcast, again, is The Dig Podcast, and they are doing great work over there, so give them a check. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk with you again soon, brother. Oh, it's fun, and I really appreciate you having me on. It was nice to sit down at the dinner table with the Fringe family and pass the juice. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right, my friend, you take care. And that's it for us on this episode of That's So Fringy Podcast. Again, I'm Rick. I'm Kristen. And we are out of here. Thank you. (laughs) 